0: Welcome to our podcast, Accenture Insight Series Two. I'm your host, Nanda Felding, a senior partner at Accenture Partners, a contemporary executive search firm in London. Where I run the global consumer and brand practice. Series two is themed purpose, which is a popular topic at the moment and includes multiple aspects, such as branding, sustainability, DNI, well being, and much more. Series two has a similar format in terms of a center inviting guest speakers from all around the world to share their inspiring stories, thoughts, and insights on purpose driven topics. I'm delighted to welcome this month's guest as we have the pleasure of inviting Chika Okeke to our Ascenta Insight series. She's our new head of diversity, equity, and inclusion, focusing on Ascenta's internal and external DEI strategies and client offering. Chika has spent the last 12 years working with organizations to hire, retain, and develop top talent. She has a track record of helping clients to design and implement global corporate strategies on improving their racial diversity. Chica will speak about a topic close to my heart, and one we encourage all companies to take a firm stance on and make a strong commitment to, to become an anti-racist organization. Her episode draws inspiration from the recent events at Euro 2021 which provide us with an opportunity to embrace diversity, equity, and inclusion, and to put an end to discrimination and work towards getting things right. Unfortunately, racism and discrimination is still alive globally. And at center we believe we have a role to play to assist clients in creating more diverse leadership teams, both demographic and cognitive diverse, as we strongly believe this is a way to create equality and much better organizations both culturally as well as financially. This moving episode will share three tips to become an anti-racist organization and coffers covers organizational values, systems, talent, and the importance of leading from the top. Chika, over to you. Thank you, Nanda.
1: I'm really happy to contribute towards a discussion that I'm sure many of us have been having, whether it's with our colleagues, our friends, and even our family members. There's a lot to unpick here, so I'm going to divide my thoughts into two main themes. First of all, I'll share some reflections in the wake of the Euro football finals. I'm sure we've all read the highlights and listened to the various news stories, so I try not to repeat the narrative that we all know, but try to shed a perspective on this for organisations that might be thinking, you know what, that was the football, that was an isolated situation, but what does it have to do with me? Then, after that, I will seek to answer the question I just posed, what it has to do with you. The you here being an organization, a business leader, or an individual, and provide a different perspective on the power of diversity and what we can learn and implement from Gareth Southgate's leadership. May 25th, 2020, this was a date that shocked the world but not for celebratory reasons. A 46 year old black man was murdered by a white police officer after complaining that he was not able to breathe whilst being restrained. This event and others that followed it led to worldwide protests against police brutality, racism and governmental accountability. But unlike previous protests of a similar ilk, these protests changed the world. George Floyd changed the world. I say this because though racism and discrimination has been in existence for hundreds, if not thousands of years. I mean, as we know, race is a social construct that was created to classify different groups of people, but quickly became used as a tool for oppression and violence. The graphic nature of the video that captured George Floyd's death, alongside the pandemic disrupting normality and white allies that stood in solidarity with their black friends, family members, and colleagues, all of this together lit a fire that called the world into account. I mean, I remember watching the footage and feeling mortified like many others, the sudden reality hitting me. And although I had no connection to George Floyd by way of geographical location, friendship, or family ties, I felt every way connected to him by means of identity. George Floyd, 46, could have been my uncle. Breonna Taylor, 26, could have been my sister. And Tamir Rice, at just 12 years old, could have been my son. So 2020 wasn't just about people and protests, but it was organizations, policies, and points of views that were now under scrutiny. It wasn't as though black people had not been speaking up about this for years before, but now it seemed as though people were really willing to listen to the lived experiences of black and brown people all over the world. In the wake of this, the UK government commissioned a report on race and ethnic disparities, which was published in March of this year with 24 key recommendations that were based on overarching themes of building trust, promoting greater fairness, creating agency, which allows individuals to take greater control of decisions that impact their lives, and achieving genuine inclusivity to ensure all groups feel a part of society. The report concluded that while racism and racial injustice still exist in the United Kingdom, geography, family influence, socioeconomic background, culture, and religion all have a greater impact on one's life chances. For many people, including academics, organizations, charities, and institutions alike, it was a disappointing outcome. Some even called it a deliberative narrative aimed at undermining the lived experiences amongst Black and ethnic minority groups in Britain. In the aftermath of Euro 2021, we might be able to understand why. Though George Floyd sparked global commitment by governments and organizations and individuals alike, one year and two months on, we have to ensure that we still stand by those same commitments and that we are really working to eradicate racism and all forms of discrimination within the organizations we serve. Racism still exists in society today, so of course it still exists in football. As soon as Rashford, Sancho and Saka missed those penalties, I'm not sure how you felt, but a sense of disillusion fell all over my household. I remember this quite acutely. I was watching the match and so were other members of my family, but we were all in different locations. But our disillusion was not because England had lost. Actually, We had already been won over by the England team to get this far in the tournament was groundbreaking history, but rather we were disillusioned because of what we feared. We feared the inevitable backlash that was to follow. Within seconds, the internet was full of hatred. You know, it's the kind of hatred that makes you scared for your children and makes you question the core values by which people live their lives. You know, David Olusuga, who is a well-known historian and broadcaster who famously wrote the book Black and British, wrote a very interesting article in The Guardian about this with the theme of the two Englands. He notes that Gareth Southgate's England is united, youthful, forward-thinking and diverse and also comfortable in its diversity. This is the England we all saw during the opening of the 2012 Olympics. I remember the England that he speaks of here. I remember feeling proud to be British whilst I watched the opening ceremony, screaming at my TV with jubilation at England's celebration of creativity and diversity. It was an honour to be British. However, the other England, the one of thuggery, Racism, the one still in denial of its imperial past, that England, it's the one that's left the bitter taste in our mouth and leaving us no choice but to confront the worst aspects of English football. And in David Olusuga's words, the ugliest strains of English nationalism. So how do we do this? The first thing that comes to my mind is that we need to change the way we see this. Rather than seeing this as a defeat, we have to see this as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to say enough is enough. It's an opportunity to revisit the commitments to diversity, equity, and inclusion that many organizations and individuals alike proudly made last year. This is why as a business leader, This situation has everything to do with you as it does with the English football team. In order to solve such a complex and difficult problem, we need holistic solutions and everyone has to take accountability. This is what John Amici, well-known and respected organizational psychologist and performer professional basketball player, talks about when he describes the difference between being a non-racist person and being an anti-racist person. Though they may seem like they are both good things to be, they couldn't be further apart from each other. A non-racist person is someone who does not agree with or advocate for racism, but it is someone who does nothing to intervene when they observe racist behavior. So, in other words, they are a bystander. After witnessing a friend or a colleague or a family member say a racist comment, a non-racist person will not say anything. They will often think to themselves, this is wrong. They may even share privately with others that they think this is wrong, but they won't do anything about it. An anti-racist person on the other hand, when they observe racist behavior, They think about how they can let that person know that this behaviour is not acceptable. And this is the difference. In any given situation, there are options and there are choices. It might not always feel that way, but there are. To be an anti-racist person, you have to choose to speak up as opposed to choosing to do nothing. Thankfully, Great Britain chose to speak up and defend the English players that had made the nation proud, despite the final result of the match. You know, in the wake of George Floyd, many organisations made pledges to eradicate racism and all forms of discrimination and become anti-racist organisations. Some have gone further than others on this, but what I want to leave you with is a few tips to help your organization to work towards this goal. Tip number one, clarify your organization's stance and values. It's important to first look inwards at your organization and set clear expectations for employees and maintain a zero tolerance to racism. This should be communicated with everyone in your organization from top to bottom. Tip number two, Interrogate your systems. I'm talking about your policies and your operational processes. Look at your ways of working to ensure that to the best of your ability, they are free from bias and discrimination. Insert checks and balances to help ensure that this remains the case. For example, it's important to ensure recruitment processes are regularly reviewed and data that is tracked is not simply filed away but regularly interrogated to check for errors that may appear in the system from time to time. Tip number three, choose to create diverse teams that spearhead innovation and drive productivity. This is something that stood out as one of the biggest victories from Euro 2021. Not only was there diversity amongst the players, but when preparing his England team, Gareth Southgate sought to choose advisors from those outside of the football. The advisory team included a cycling coach, a commander in the military, an Olympic rower, a technology entrepreneur, and even a rugby coach. Not only that, but Southgate also assembled a diverse group of football coaches who all had a rich, but quite different experience of the game. What was the result? Diversity at its best. We're not just talking about demographic diversity here, but cognitive diversity. Diversity of thought, which seeks to dismantle the dangers of homogenous thinking and rather embrace innovation, new perspectives and fresh ideas, which helps everyone to perform at their best. Former Olympian and author Matthew Saeed argues that this was in fact one of the key differentiators of Southgate's leadership approach and something business leaders can all learn from. Wherever possible, business leaders should take the opportunity to move away from homogeny and rather create divergence as a tool not only for inclusion, but best business performance as well. Accenture is doing a lot of work in this space and if of interest... Last year's Accenture's Insight, episode five, covers more information. And lastly, tip number four, lead from the top. Leadership teams must commit to and have a willingness to change. This means all leaders in your organization should be educated and supported to become inclusive leaders who create psychologically safe environments for people to speak out, and seek solutions to any challenges they may be facing in an area that is often difficult to speak about. You know, getting this right, it's so important, but it's not easy. Any organisation seeking to become a truly anti-racist organisation that values diversity, ensures equity to all, and promotes and fosters inclusion, would benefit from partnering with professional diversity, equity, and inclusion consultants to help them achieve their goals. So, in summary, what did Euro 2021 show us? It showed us that whilst there is still a long way to go, an opportunity presents itself to us, an opportunity to embrace diversity in all its forms, put an end to discrimination
0: and to get things right. Thank you, Chica. And what a great episode. This is such an important topic, and it is promising to see what some of our global clients are undertaking on this front, as getting it right offers tremendous opportunities for better businesses and kinder leadership approaches, creating more inclusive environments. Thank you for joining us today. And we'll be back soon with another purpose-driven theme and episode. Take care till then, and please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss the next episode.